0: Hi, I'm Bob Resselman, and I'm here at Outer Edge 2023 at the L.A. Convention Center in downtown L.A. It's one of the premier NFT shows in the country, and I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Jack O'Halloran of Scale Labs. Welcome, Jack.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me today
0: yeah i've been excited to hear about what you're doing you're doing a lot in the distributed ledger space aren't you
1: yeah yeah so uh, i've been working on scale for over five years now and uh, it's a a decentralized project where we have over 20 evm chains that are running in a fully decentralized manner and our goal is to help people who are building applications for ethereum build them and reach a huge audience not a small audience of developers but a massive audience of consumers and and real uh, users across gaming, and Web3 social apps, and decentralized finance.
0: Right, so one of the problems that's always been around what we call distributed ledger technology, and uh, you know, Ethereum and EVM, the, the Ethereum virtual machine, has been just around the cost of transactions, as mm-hmm. well as the speed of transactions. H- how does that fit into your world? Is that something you've encountered?
1: Well, that's, that's a problem we've been trying to solve or working on solving, and I think doing a pretty good job over the last five years. Um, uh, one, I think, you know, hats off to Ethereum, just the creation of such an amazing uh, a, a technology and pool of users and pool of money and value that's sitting there support uh, in this network. It's amazing. But we all know that it's very expensive to transact. And one of the issues is it's, a, it's both infrastructure and unit economics. And so there's a lot of different ways people are taking to try to solve this gas issue. Um, We, for example, believe the best route is utilizing a prepayment model. So uh, applications, businesses, groups of users, uh, organizations, DAOs, et cetera, can actually pay in advance for the compute space required to run transactions, which completely transforms a unit economic model. Now, you still can have validators that are running proof-of-stake blockchains, which is happening in scale, but the way they're paid is different. It's not Per transaction, it's like renting a car, but you pay for the month instead of paying by the mile.
0: Mm. Wow, that, that's a really interesting way of uh, doing it. Um, just not for the, for a layman's explanation. How, how do you manage to pull it off? If you don't mind me asking.
1: Well, um, I'll try to I'll try to step back first, and then we can get more deep. But but essentially, there's there's almost there are three layers here. The first layer is Ethereum. So there's code and smart contracts for scale that live on Ethereum that support the scale network. Then the second layer. Or is the scale network, which is a whole set of nodes that are run fully decentralized. Now, these this network actually doesn't even have any blockchains in it. It's a it's a system that that creates chains. That's a third layer. The third layer are the app chains or the scale chains. And each one of these scale chains is incredibly fast, has more throughput than the major layer one chains. A lot of them that you read about today and layer two uh, layer two chains. And so this layer three environment or app chain environment, I think is a future. And there's a lot of people that are looking at this model and saying, hey, by decoupling the infrastructure, uh, making different trade-offs for security and performance, um, this model is one that allows the computation to be to be instead of divided and, and, and managed in a vertical manner, to be spread out in a horizontal manner so that there's more even distribution and you can you can essentially get more throughput and more volume by creating more quantity without losing security. So the, uh, happy to kind of dig into that, but at the highest level, those three layers come together to build a unique a unique uh, solution that has speed, security, and decentralization.
0: Right, and and it's a different financial model too, because if we're playing, paying per transaction, that's an operating expense. And so that's, you know, the more business I do, the higher my operating expenses go. But if we turn it into a subscription, or you know, yeah. we can call it a subscription model, yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah. Now it becomes, for the most part, pretty much a capital expense. Is that an accurate yeah, assessment? It, you know,
1: it's it's yeah, it's decentralized uh, infrastructure as a service. Okay, right. so like our platform as a service. So people and enterprise figured and Web two figured out things out a long time ago that if you want to charge your users each time they use your product, you're going to motivate them to not use your product. So instead they figured out new business models and same thing, whether it's not be a user, but an enterprise, it was, Oh, pay per bite, buy don't pay per bite, pay for, you know, seating. And, you know, you buy these seats, use an X amount. If you go higher then you know, and so we're, you're motivating people to use your product through subscriptions as opposed to demotivating them by, you know, a per uh, event fee.
0: Right. So let, let let me let me toss you a hardball question oh, yeah. here. All right. So I'm I'm a, I'm a fairly good sized enterprise, and I've had success with you know data storage uh, techniques. Uh, excuse me, um, technologies such as say you know Oracle. That's pretty canonical. Yeah. Or MongoDB. Yeah. Or SQL Server. Or if I go uh, open source, I'm using MariaDB. Yeah. Is why should I change? I mean, okay, I get it. It's working for me. I'm willing to pay the price. Yeah. Where's my benefit? Well. I mean, one of one of uh,
1: the way I reframe that to people is, okay. well, these databases that you're talking about are one database that's run by one entity that has a guarantee to deliver accurate information across that database. Blockchains are not efficient. There's not one database. There's lots of databases whose job it is, is to share the same information and ensure it's accurate. And it's not one party. It's lots of parties. So the question is, well, that's not as efficient because there's so many more Databases need to operate in harmony at the same time and communicate with each other. So it's gonna be slower, not as cost as effective because you're having to replicate these databases. So then the question is, why would you want to do that? And it all comes down to use cases. There's certain use cases where you don't want to trust or rely on one single database to store information. One would be decentralized money, which we all know Bitcoin's been popular and people looking at Ethereum as a store of value, too. Using lots of actors to run servers to guarantee that yeah we don't all have to trust each other the money's there. But now let's look at business applications. And mm-hmm. The question is what business applications are require decentralized infrastructure compared to centralized infrastructure. And if you can answer that then you're on the right path and you know you're not going to be using Oracle or MongoDB.
0: So do you mind let's dig a little deeper because this is fa- let's dig a little deeper because this is fascinating to me. Um, what sort of concrete use cases would you want to use a, dis- a distributed ledger for
1: yeah so so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend you don't hear the word nft okay, okay. <laughs> let's say these let's say this is a digital asset that just happens to be an nft let's look at a major sports team let's say they wanted to roll out a fan passport that every single fan could have buy this passport and there's different levels and based off these different levels i could then go and uh, get free access or like First access to tickets, first access to season passes, first access to specialized merchandise or meeting the team, et cetera. Now, you can still do that in a centralized database, but if you're utilizing this in an NFT environment, all of a sudden you automate all the, you know, someone, I sell mine to you and, you know, that could happen anywhere. But when that transaction happens, it happens on chain and that in an automated manner, payments are sent back to the provider, the team or the the entity. On the On the user side, you have something that's yours. It is... It is on-chain, it's immutable, and and you and it's also a generational thing. Younger, the younger generation has really embraced NFTs because they want to own their assets. They also don't want to just like, I think, you know, just trading collectibles that are scarce that people are speculating on is not the future of NFTs. That's why I think we need different names for these things, but businesses that want to utilize these principles, activate community, activate engagement, drive, for, drive different revenue streams, Need to embrace blockchain in order to make that happen
0: well then that, 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 that's good i like that i like that a lot let's talk about the migration path okay so you saw yeah. you saw me all right I'm, I'm cfo i'm saying okay you got me uh yeah. I want, sign me up i want to use this dlt stuff yeah. right what what does the road ahead look like for me
1: yeah well number one i i so i, I worked in SaaS back in 2000 i think nine was when i first started working in SaaS, and half the time i talked to a cio they'd say well, I mean, I want on-prem. If you can deliver me the same solution, I don't want to use Amazon. I don't want to. And you know, fast forward. You know, even five years later, those same CIOs that were saying they didn't trust the cloud lost their jobs. Okay. Yeah. And in blockchain, we're seeing a similar path where people are like, oh, I want a private blockchain. I don't want these open decentralized networks. And so now we're seeing the same transition where the leading edge, if in the enterprise who are adopting blockchain are recognizing public open networks are the path. One, for their compliance reasons, it's better. But two, they're less brittle. Uh, They're more, uh, that's how you capture community engagement. The values of blockchain are really delivered in an open network compared to a closed network. If I have a closed network, may as well just run MongoDB. I don't need to run a blockchain. Um, And so I think the transition path is one, understanding that open networks can be utilized. And then two, building a technical execution plan, and three, having a compliance plan, because the legal components of this are still being sorted. And you need to make sure you're operating under a manner under a manner that is, I think you have a very good plan. And, and the thing is, people are lucky now, they're not the first ones to do anything. Um, at two years ago, enterprises were just getting in, and they were really having to forage the path on the legal and compliance side
0: what sort of staff staffing changes do we need to make
1: yeah so so one i think the amount of agencies and consulting companies and implementation companies that have these core competencies has grown immensely uh, but that being said you still want to have your own staff that understands these things so one thing one thing i've found working with with businesses that are are launching a blockchain if you don't have somebody in house who understands solidity the concepts of security around uh, blockchain the concepts of values of decentralization to the users, you're really at the mercy of your your vendors and partners. So it is good to have the internal team, but you now have the luxury of not needing to build an entire team yourself. There are enough really quality teams that are out there ready with experience.
0: Great. And then of course, there's the other side of the coin. How do I identify um, a uh, vendor that is other than what they pretend to be?
1: Well, I think there's a very high charlatan ratio in blockchain. There's a lot of, you know, hype artists and I don't want to say scam, but, you know, you you need to look at people's background. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people with huge depth in, of experience in enterprise are not like plentifully, like they're not. It's not a lot of those people working in blockchain, but there are different, the agencies that are good have experience. So I would not be looking at, you know, giving somebody a first shot at blockchain, the security, the the issues that can go wrong are too great. Um, so look at the track record. Most, uh, you know, look at the individuals on the team, get to know them and look at the projects they have launched. And if they haven't launched, definitely do more shopping.
0: All right. So let's just take this one step further and I won't belabor it too much, but let's do it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a CIO, CFO. I've decided, I want, I've heard a lot of good things about DLT. We've done the cost analysis, but we understand that, you know, we need some help with staffing. And um, I'm, I'm, going to interview a vendor, what, what, what would be a, a hardball question to really ask a vendor to make sure they knew what they were doing?
1: Yeah, I, I'd maybe, I'd get into, one, I think on the technical side, uh, there, there are questions around, um, you know, like, uh, like what are the trade-offs we're making around security and performance? The other one would be, how do you think about user experience? Because so many blockchain initiatives have been absolutely killed for, around user experience. I'd be asking, "What's your advice on custodial wallets? And should we enable allow open wallets to exist simultaneously? What vendors should we be looking at for those the, for those uh, initiatives? Um, uh, also, I would be getting at, um, you know, what are the values of blockchains providing? And everyone needs to ask themselves that. There's so many things like, oh, let's do it, let's put it on blockchain, but that use case maybe doesn't need to be on blockchain. So I'd be getting into that with those vendors and make sure they understand the business components." and they're helping drive that strategy along with the technical side.
0: Um, that, that, that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a hardball question, a you know, hardball question I I would ask, right? And something for for me it would really come down to uh you know send in send in your CTO or CTO or your senior engineer and then tell me about how you're going to take a look at this solidity code. And tell me what my and what my risks are. How much yes. is the solidity code going to cost me to run? Yeah. Okay, and how do I make it cheaper? Is that a good question one might ask? Yeah, I,
1: I think so. And also, like, what what are your thoughts around audits? Oh. And um, you know, how are you? How do you evaluate the vendors you work with based off the audits they've done? Hmm. Right, because because they we at scale work with a lot of these agencies and providers. Um, we're at the infrastructure level. We partner with some really great teams and you know, they're responsible to be, you know, for a lot of this, uh, you know, the partner side communications. And, you know, one of the things we do is make sure we outfit our partners with really good materials on the audits that have happened, the security properties, the uh, performance advantages. Uh, Dartmouth just did a big study recently and scale was high highlighted as one of the fastest and most secure, actually the fastest blockchain in terms of throughput and finality. Um, and, you know, things like that, that like they should do their homework. They shouldn't just be like, oh, we're friends with this other chain that gave us a big grant. There's a lot of that, unfortunately, in blockchain. There are people that are paying for their business, and I, I would recommend steering very clear of those. Okay, great.
0: Well, this has been a great interview, Jack. You really taught me a lot. You really taught me a lot, and I really like engaging in these detailed discussions. So again, i here with Jack o- O'Halloran from Scale Labs, and I'm Bob Russellman from Blockchain Journal, and thanks for sitting through this great interview.